Who has the heating on all day then? The whole day, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep. Ooh, a few of you lucky ones. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you that you're here. You love us. You know us. You know what you want to say to us this morning. So, Lord, will you just take what I've prepared and use it for each one of us, Lord. Give us ears to hear very specifically and uniquely what it is you want to say to me, to each one of us. Thank you that you promise in your word, your word will not return to you empty, Lord. We want to have hearts to hear you and to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so can we have the PowerPoint thing up? I heard a story about a baby eagle that was found in a national park. And the rangers of the park didn't know where the nest was, didn't know where the mother was, so they couldn't return it. So they took this baby eagle in and started to hand-rear it. But more on that later. We're in our story of Romans, and we've reached this point. Come up the mountain, come over the top. We had mystery, mystery with John Coles last week. (laughs) And we've got the one called Devotion today, and I get the privilege to to preach on chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12, and I'm so glad I didn't have to preach last week because he had three chapters. So our... If you look at chapter 12, the very first word is therefore. And how many of you know what you should do when you see the word therefore? You should ask what it's there for. And what you normally have to do is look back. You look back to the bit just before it, and that's what the reading was. So I don't know if any of you want to follow along in your Bibles. It's page 1139. We're just literally looking at the four verses before the beginning of chapter 12, and two verses into chapter 12. And it's an amazing section of the Bible. So the end of chapter 11, 33 to 36, is telling us the most amazing things. It's saying, oh, the depth, the riches, the wisdom, knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So what's this telling us? It's telling us that this is God Almighty. He is Jehovah Sabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts. What are hosts? Hosts of angels, hosts of heavenly armies. There are ten, there are tens. 10,000 times 10,000 angels in heaven, but the word thousand in the Bible wasn't meaning a literal thousand, it just meant innumerable. Millions and millions, innumerable, mighty beings worshipping the sovereign Lord God Almighty. He's the maker, he's the ruler, he's the sustainer of all things. He's the one who created everything from him and for him. No help needed from anyone else. I think it takes so much more faith to believe that nothing created the universe, don't you? It's like an explosion in a paint factory. Have you heard this analogy? Creating a Mona Lisa or a Van Gogh. Impossible. If you looked back to chapter 9, verse 20, it says, Paul says, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? And look at this in verse uh, verse 34. Who's ever known the mind of God? Who's been his counsellor? How can we possibly know God's mind? He is, lives in, un, in unapproachable light. 
And me trying to understand him is a bit like an ant trying to understand the internet. But maybe the ant, you know, there's a bigger gap between me and God than there is between me and an ant. How did you come to Christ? Paul, who wrote this, had an amazing encounter with the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he utterly knew in that moment that Jesus Christ was the Lord God Almighty. And what could he do other than bow the knee before him and yield his life to him? We see this here. Paul knows that God doesn't have to explain anything to us. Paul just bowed the knee. He knew God is God and God doesn't owe us anything. So off the back of this amazing passage, this amazing section that God is God Almighty, then we get our therefore and we go into chapter 12. And Paul now in this moment switches from doctrine to action, from theology to practicality. So in view of all of this, that God is like this, so what? Therefore, what then? And in this verse, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So one of the important things when we read the Bible is to imagine what the hearers of it in that moment, in that time, in that era would have heard. So Paul's talking to the church in Rome. And when they heard the word sacrifice, what did they think? They pictured an animal being slaughtered to death, didn't they, on an altar. That's what the listeners would have envisaged the word sacrifice meant. So what then is this term, living sacrifice? What is a living sacrifice? What does that mean? He's using the word sacrifice, but he's using the word living sacrifice. Surely that's, what's that thing? Oxymoron, isn't it? Right, you have one minute to talk to the person next to you and discuss what is a living sacrifice. Okay, I wonder what sort of things you came up with. And maybe you can carry on chatting about that over coffee and wonder what you came up with at home. The idea is a bit like ourselves getting on the altar, isn't it? So, it's a bit like this. It's a bit like this, putting ourselves on the altar. And I heard someone say the problem with the living sacrifice is they keep wanting to crawl off the altar. So I don't want to forgive somebody. I don't want to be generous. I don't want to go out of my way for somebody else. I don't want to be loving. Paul's urging us to choose each day to put to death those things in our lives that are not holy and pleasing to God. So if you look at the next line, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then, this is your true and proper worship. I don't want to put those things to death in my life. They're uncomfortable, aren't they? Doing things like that, putting things on the altar, putting things to death. 
This is your true and proper worship. What do you think of when you hear the word worship? Do you think we're going to have a time of worship? We're going to sing or we're going to go to church to worship God. But Paul is saying our whole lives are to be worship. Our whole lives are to be this offering. It's not just occasional moments of worship with our minds where we're reading scripture or singing songs to God or praying. But our whole lives are actually meant to be worship. And Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So Jesus is saying the same thing here. Following him is dying to ourselves. And that's what this phrase, living sacrifice, means. I say that I want to please God with my life. I say that I want to honour him. But when the rubber hits the road, and I've made a really nice cheese and ham toasty for lunch, and I'm just about to eat it, and Andy walks in, and he hasn't had any lunch, do I say, hello, did you have a good day? And tuck into my cheese and ham toasty. Or do I say, here, why don't you have this and make myself another one? What What do you think I do? Or when you bump into someone in the street and it's really cold and that person's been having a really hard time and you're cold and you want to get home to a cup of tea and you've got things to do, do you say, hello, lovely to see you, and carry on walking really fast? Or maybe you've sorted out how much you're giving to to the Lord that month and you've just sorted it all out, you've organised your finances and then a need comes up. It's like, oh oh gosh, I could give to that, but maybe these sound like silly examples. A sacrifice is something costly. It costs, doesn't it? It costs us something. It's not cheap. And if we're honest, often we just want God on our terms. We want all the good stuff he offers us, but we don't really want to give ourselves to him. And he's calling us to lay every part of our lives down on the altar, every part, our reputation, what people think of us. If I tell them about Jesus or I say, can I pray for you? What will they think of me? They'll think I'm a religious nut. Do we offer him our money? Do we offer him our time? Our sleep? Our our comfort? You know, I've put all these things up here because these are things that challenge me. So I'm not standing here speaking this as someone who's got all this sorted, but I'm deeply challenged by this passage myself. I think living means ongoing. It's our whole lives meant to be an offering, a precious offering offering through the day of dying to our own selfishness repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Multiple little choices through the day that honour Jesus. Every little moment through the day that says, Jesus, I want to go your way, I want to honour you. So even though our tendency is to want to crawl off the altar and not do it, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put that thing to death. I don't want to get up that little bit earlier to pray because it's cold and it's warm in bed. But to die to ourselves and put him first in each little decision. And that is our holy offering to the Lord. But each decision has eternal consequences. We have choices every day, and that's our worship offering to him. Um, in, it's, it's Jesus' sort of offering us this opportunity to actually honour him in ways that probably won't even be seen or recognised. 
I'm standing up here on the stage and that's seen and that's recognized and I'm talking about Jesus. But actually, that's not, in a way, what the most precious, important thing is in my life to Jesus. It's actually the bits behind the scenes. Am I going to make someone else a cup of tea when they come in? And I've just settled myself down in front of my favorite film. So, in verse 1, there's a phrase we haven't picked up on yet. Can you see that? (laughs) In view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. And that's where we started, really. Do you remember that section at the end of chapter 11 that we started with, with the awesomeness of God Almighty? This creator and sustainer of the universe He's our total example of mercy. And wasn't that the most beautiful song? I actually felt really tearful in that. He is our example of mercy. He's the reason. He's not just this horrible big God with a stick up in heaven telling us to obey him. He's this beautiful saviour who gave his life. We didn't deserve it, did we? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says this. For all of us gratified the cravings of our flesh, followed its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Jesus is our example of mercy. Jesus is our example. This scandal, his life was a scandal of mercy. So about two, exactly two years ago, in fact, I'd been helping my daughter move house uh, down sort of in Kingston Way, and it was, I'd been there the whole day, I was exhausted, you know what it's like moving house, and I was driving back late at night, I was desperate to get back home, and I came off the M25 at South Mims, you know you come down that slope, and as I was coming down the slope, the light turned green, so I just hit the accelerator, and I zoomed down that slope, and I zoomed around the corner, and I zoomed around around the first bend, and I could see that it was green, and I just had my foot hard on the green. I wanted to get home, and I was tired, and my mind was thinking about multiple things. And it was still quite a way off, and it turned amber. And in that split second, I'm going to get home. Foot went hard down, hard as it possibly could. But before I got to it, it turned red. But by then, I had so much momentum. It would have been rude to stop, really, wouldn't it? So I just shot through. And amazingly, the next light was green, and the next light was green. And I just careered around South Mims Roundabout, which is in one go, which is unheard of, you'll all agree, and shot down that road towards the Green Dragon. And as I was approaching the Green Dragon, I was sort of aware of this blue flashing light in my mirror. And it's like, oh, I was going a bit fast, wasn't I? Oh, dear, I've probably been speeding. Anyway, they, they kind of flagged me down right near the Green Dragon and told me to pull into the Green Dragon. And my heart was just, oh, no, I've been speeding. What have I been doing? And lovely, lovely young man, about the age of my son, got out and said, do you know why we pulled you over? I said, was I going a bit fast? He said, well, before that, at the roundabout. And then, of course, it dawned on me that I'd gone through a red light. So we had a few minutes talking about it, and I just completely owned up and you know there's no point hiding it I just said I am so sorry Um, and wanted to see my driving license and all this malarkey's going on with the other chap in the car now three weeks before that my mum had died and actually my emotions were all over the place so although I'd been helping my daughter all day I was actually exhausted in in a deeper way but I knew that that was no excuse that was what was going on in my life 
um, but also I'd gone through a red light and I'd broken the law. And in that, in that split second when I was just talking to him, I was thinking, shall I tell him what's going on? And part of me thought, that's an excuse. I deserve whatever I'm going to get. I deserve the penalty. I deserve the points on my license. I deserve the punishment. But in that moment, actually, I was very, I was very fragile and I was teary. And I just said, look, I know I've broken the law and I deserve the you know, consequences. But my mum died three weeks ago. I've been helping my daughter work house, move house. I just wanted to get home. I'm so sorry. Now, the long and the short of the story was that man showed me mercy. And he said, um, I'm going to let you off this time because we're actually more interested in traffic safety than in punishment. And I want you to know that um, I want, we want you to drive more carefully and more safely. And I believe that if I actually let you off and don't, don't prosecute you this time, that you will be much more careful next time and in the future. And they let me off. He showed me mercy. And I literally, just as they drove off, burst into tears because I was in an emotional place. But the amazing thing about that is, ever since then, I've never been through an amber light. And I have such respect for amber lights. And the minute I see one, I will stop straight away. And as I'm approaching a traffic light, I'll even slow down in case it goes amber. And so the result of being shown mercy in my life actually was that my behavior changed. And I want to honor the trust that that young man put in me. It's a bit of a long story. And it's a pretty inadequate example. I knew I was guilty, but something changed within me because that man showed me mercy. And I'd been a bit slapdash with Amber before then, I have to say, but I'm not now. Because of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Has God's mercy changed you? I want to have that gratitude in my heart every day for God's mercy. You'll be relieved to know we're going on to verse 2 now. <laughs> Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need renewing. They need to be made new, don't they? They are a battleground. So, back to the baby eagle story. There's the little baby eagle. This baby eagle had been, had been um, rescued and fed by the rangers, and it grew. And the day came where its feathers and its wings were strong enough to be able to fly. And so they took it to the middle of the park in the box, and they sort of stood back and opened up the box, and the little baby eagle just sat there. And they kind of rattled the box, and it didn't come out of the box, and they put little bits of food, and it didn't come out of the box even though it had the chance to. And they didn't know what to do. It was just sitting there in the box. But just at that moment, this eagle flew overhead and let out a piercing eagle cry. Or something like that. I don't really know what eagles sound like. I think they probably scream, don't they? Shriek. And this little eagle looked up, saw this eagle flying over, came out of the box and took off and flew and was released into the wild. That baby eagle was actually free, even though it stayed in the box. It didn't know it was free. It chose to stay in the box, even though it had the opportunity to, to fly. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It was for freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm. Don't be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, we've looked in the past at Romans and um, sin, how sin makes us a slave, doesn't it? 
And it might not sound much fun to choose to get on the altar every day and choose to be that living sacrifice for Jesus. But our amazing creator knows the pathway for our true freedom. And if we go clutching at freedom for ourselves and going our own way ourselves, actually that doesn't give us freedom. But these tiny little thousands of choices for Jesus actually do create freedom. Putting him first and living in that relationship with him. So how many of you want to know the will of God? I think we all do, don't we? Many times that's what we pray for. Should we take this job? Should we buy that house? Should we marry that person? You know, which is the better choice here or there? Have you seen this popped up on my Instagram this week? Does anyone else just wish Jesus would walk into the kitchen, sit down with a cup of coffee and look at you and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Do you ever wish that? It's like, yes. (laughs) So the end of verse two says, Do not conform to longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is a way that we can know the will of God. And it's actually through surrender. It is through surrendering our lives to Jesus and choosing to to go his way through each day. And that's our holy offering of worship when we lay our lives down for him that he says, then you will be able to know my will. Isn't that amazing? If we're just determined to do our own thing, actually, we're not really going to know what is his best will. We won't be able to weigh it. And it's always for blessing. It's a topsy-turvy kingdom, isn't it? If we give up our lives, we will find it. If we're trying to hang on to it, we'll lose it, actually. So, Lord, renew my mind. Renew my mind. Our thoughts need renewing, don't they? Our minds need renewing. I do want to live for Jesus, but I'm pretty horrified sometimes at the choices and the battle within me. Um, And that's where we need the Holy Spirit. God hasn't just told us to live in this way. He sent his Holy Spirit to help us to live within us. And that's just the most amazing thing. So I'm excited to announce that we've actually got a new um, development and we are starting something called the School of the Spirit. We're going to have two of these a term on a Saturday morning. So I don't know if any of you are people that kind of take photos with your, with your phone, but these are the dates, and we will get publicity out this week. Um, there are two this term and two next term, and we're going to be looking at how we can much more tune into the Holy Spirit and follow his promptings and hear his voice and learn to listen, listen to him and walk with him and be much more effective in our, in our walk with him, because we want to help bring his kingdom in, don't we? So I just want to encourage you to come. Everybody's going to be welcome. They're gonna be, it's going to be great. The Pharisees of the day knew truth, didn't they? They knew scripture, but their hearts were far from God. And we don't want to be like that, where we know the Bible, where we can quote it, where we understand it, where we understand theology, but our hearts are hard. We want to have soft hearts. And I think the, of the definition of a sacrifice that I really like is when you, it's the reasoning behind um, putting yourself through short-term pain now for long-term gain. So maybe um, scrimping and saving a little bit now so you can have a lovely holiday or living frugally through a period of your life while you're studying in order to then be able to get a different job that would give you a different kind of life. And I just love this verse in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 
for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Eternity is ahead, not just a two-week holiday. It's forever. So actually getting on the altar now is going to be totally worth it. No choice we make for Jesus down here on earth, however small, will ever be wasted. So we're going to finish now just by spending a moment engaging ourselves personally with God in our own hearts because he wants us to know his will. He wants us to do his will and it's for our blessing. He wants us to know his mind. So I'm just going to encourage you to close your eyes now because he wants to draw close. And let's just... Let's just think for a moment, how do we get close to somebody? (laughs) We talk about our feelings, don't we? And Jesus wants us to talk to him like we would talk to our closest, most truest friend. And we don't just tell our friends facts, do we, about our lives. We tell them how we're feeling. And Jesus desires that intimacy with each one of us, closer than any human relationship. So... As we look at this passage, tell him what scares you about this passage. Tell him how the idea of getting all the altar makes you feel. What makes you nervous about it? Or it might be you want to talk to him about an area of your mind that needs renewing, that needs to be made clean. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, by the renewing of your mind, that then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus, we just come to you in the honesty of our own hearts. You see us, you know us, you love us. You have shown us the ultimate mercy of your life given for us. Lord, would you work in our hearts that we can truly offer our bodies as living sacrifices to you, Lord, in every small little tiny decision of the day. Help us, Jesus. We come to you. And we yield to you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's stand and let's sing this beautiful song, I Surrender All.